AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's Monday, March 8th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is Reopening America. The COVID vaccines have been major breakthroughs in science and technology. They've produced a class of vaccines that researchers believe can protect people from other illnesses and outbreaks. From Pfizer and Moderna, we have mRNA platforms, and Johnson & Johnson used viral vector technology. With new insights into the immune system, scientists are reprogramming the body to muster better defenses against viruses. Peter Loftus, healthcare reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us to talk about the promising new class of vaccines. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Thanks for having me on. A lot is being made right now about the vaccines. We're obviously going through the rollout. Things are ramping up. But, you know, I really have found very fascinating the story of how these vaccines have come to be and the new technologies that we're using. Obviously, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are using this mRNA technology. We've never had a vaccine that has been approved before. And Johnson & Johnson, the new one that just got approved they also are using new technology. Theirs is a little different. It's called viral vector technology. You know, these brand new things are showing a lot of promise and big hopes for fighting, you know, infections in the future, other pandemics, just other diseases. There's a lot of potential with all of these. So, Peter, tell us a little bit about your reporting on this. You know, vaccines have been around for a couple hundred years and for most of that time, they used sort of tried and true methods of making them. And in a lot of cases, that meant taking part of the virus or the pathogen that you want to try to protect against and using it in the vaccine itself to deliver that into the body to induce an immune response. And so those are still in use, but there have been efforts over the past few decades to find new ways to make vaccines. And the pandemic has really brought that out in the sense that, you know, even though some of these technologies were years in the making, This pandemic has sort of been their moment to actually deliver, if not for the very first time, then in the biggest way possible for that 
vaccine technology. And so, as you mentioned, the first couple of vaccines use this messenger RNA technology, and this Johnson & Johnson one uses a viral vector technology. And they're both newer ways of making vaccines, and they both involve essentially delivering a genetic code and genetic instructions that tell the body to do certain things to induce an immune response rather than deliver the actual virus into the body that you're trying to fight against. We've talked about the mRNA vaccines for a bit now, only because they were approved first from Pfizer and Moderna. Johnson & Johnson, as I mentioned, recently approved. They're using this viral vector technology. Tell us a little bit more about that. It's different from the old ways, as you were describing, but they still use a virus that they kind of readjust to help do this. So how, do, how does the viral vector stuff work? That, that's a good point because um, I don't want to mislead people to think that there's no viral material in these viral vector vaccines. But the difference is that you're using a virus that has essentially nothing to do with the disease you're trying to combat. And the general concept for these viral vector vaccines is to take one harmless virus and to use it against a more deadly virus. And so in the case of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and a couple others that are out there for COVID, like the one from AstraZeneca and University of Oxford, is to take something called an adenovirus, which is a relatively harmless virus that can cause common colds or conjunctivitis, and to tweak it in such a way so that if it's injected into your body, it's not going to cause disease. It's not going to cause the common cold. It's certainly not going to cause COVID, but it serves as sort of a carrier and it's modified in a way so that it actually then carries DNA that tells the body's cells to make this spike protein that's found on the surface of the coronavirus. Finding that right virus was such an interesting part of this story. Johnson & Johnson decided they were going to go this route, viral vector technology, And they had to be on the hunt for the right virus because there was also concerns. You know, if you're using viral material, what if you build up an immunity to that specific virus? Then could you build up an immunity to the vaccine itself? So they were on the hunt for a very specific one to use as well. That question of whether this viral vector or or this sort of carrier that makes up the vaccine is going to can pose an issue. And so in the past, there have been instances where that's been a problem And I think it's not been entirely solved. And so in the past, the problem was that when they tried using one of these adenoviruses to be the sort of carrier in a vaccine in people who had pre-existing immunity to that adenovirus, this common cold virus, it sort of interfered with the effectiveness of the vaccine against various diseases. And so what Johnson & Johnson had to do was sort of figure out, okay, well, we need to pick the right carrier, the, the right adenovirus And, you know, ideally one that is just not that common out in the world so that not as many people have pre-existing immunity to it, but even the people who do have pre-existing immunity to it, maybe it's not going to be such a strong immune response against the carrier that would interfere with what the underlying vaccine is trying to do. Tell me a little bit more about Johnson & Johnson and the company, you know, how they got into this, because my understanding, I mean, obviously we know Johnson & Johnson for a myriad of products, but they're fairly new to the vaccine game, and they did achieve a little bit of success with an Ebola vaccine using this viral vector technology also. So, you know, how how did that work out for them? And then obviously they transitioned into working on the COVID virus. 
they've got the well, well-known brands that you alluded to, Band-Aid, Baby Powder, and they've long had a, a very strong prescription drug business. So drugs like Remicade uh, that, that treat people who are already sick, and, and they're a major player, but they've not been a major player in vaccines. And so about 10 years ago, they decided they wanted to get into vaccines more. So they bought this Dutch biotechnology company called Crucell. And that's really where this viral vector technology came from that J&J is using. And so they kind of spent several years just designing vaccines against various infectious diseases and then running them through the regular series of tests. So this would be things like Ebola and Zika. Then they were able to start testing their Ebola vaccine using this vector technology in Africa uh, after I think first after that, the really big outbreak in West Africa five or six years ago, and then more recently in the Congo, where there was another outbreak. And so they went through the whole series of studies for that vaccine and then eventually got a European Commission approval for it in the middle of last year. So now they do have this sort of platform that could work not only against COVID-19, but also against Ebola and then potentially additional infectious diseases. And they, in fact, they even have a vaccine in development for HIV, which has sort of been this notoriously difficult uh, virus to target in the form of a vaccine. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting how far we've come, how much we've learned about the human body, so much so that, uh, you know, we're hacking the genetic software, you know, of the body to produce these things. You know, all these insights into the immune system that we've gained have led us to this stuff. So what's the promise for these things? Like, you know, what can we expect? I know they're working on vaccines for other diseases, gene therapies. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of promise with this. Yeah. And it's, and in a way it's sort of a convergence of a couple different strains that have been going on in pharmaceutical research and academic research. And that is the genetic revolution on the one hand, but also immunology. And that's immunology is, is kind of, feeding into both vaccines to prevent disease, but also a whole new class of drugs to treat disease by in some way affecting the immune system. And so, I mean, there are people that infectious disease experts who, who say that this is really a golden age of vaccinology, that these advances kind of signal that and, and think that it really shows that there's promise to really target a lot of other infectious diseases and in the case of a, of a big emerging outbreak, like we've seen, to do it in a way that is really quick and can actually have an effect in actually stemming a pandemic while it's underway, you know, rather than just develop things on the normal timeline of, of many years that the, the pharmaceutical industry is, is used to. Yeah. And in the case of Johnson & Johnson, it's a one-shot protocol. If we can apply that to other things, one shot and you can develop some immunity, that's amazing. With the Pfizer and Moderna, those are two shots. But even still, after the first shot, they provide some level of immunity. But I know Johnson & Johnson went full bore with that single shot. I mean, that's just great stuff if we can really apply that to, to many other areas. Yeah, and I think it really could lend itself to helping things out, especially uh, outside the U.S. and in lower-income countries where they might not have the healthcare infrastructure or even just the things like the specialized freezers that are needed to store some of these higher end vaccines. Um, 
And so that that is another potential advantage, and we'll see how that unfolds um, in the coming months. Peter Loftus, healthcare reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been Reopening America. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.